When you think of energy production, think of big coal. The return of big coal by President Trump has been one of the most important um, achievements and accomplishments of his presidency. Coal powers America, American electricity. Natural gas volatility concerns about global warming have the potential environmental damage appealed to the IGCC advocates. They raise capital cost and CO2 policies make uncertain the IGCC development. CO2 sequestering is the question and can it keep safe millions of tons of CO2 in the ground? No that during earthquakes that sometimes CO2 pockets um, are ruptured and they escape into the atmosphere and uh, can cause the death of livestock. For one thing, the CO2 frisk has to be captured from the power plants, then compressed into a supercritical fuel to be injected underground. Capturing and sequestering carbon is expected to raise the price of electricity by 20 to 25 percent. Using CO2 to enhance oil recovery will reduce uh, cost. So uh, what that means is that they they can use, inject CO2 in the uh, fracking process, hydraulic fracking, uh, to force the oil to the surface so that it can so it's a byproduct can be injected into the ground and uh, oil then through high pressure can be uh, uh, surfaced to the surface despite uncertain progress continues the igcc pipe has thousands of potential megawatts in the pipeline the push forward in power technology assumes that if coal is to remain the primary source for electricity it must implement technologies that reduce CO2. Sequestration seems to be safe way to store the CO2 and is low cost. There's going to be other technologies that are going to be better in sequestering. Uh, sequestration, the, those technologies could put uh, the CO2 in some form of metal hydrate or uh, they might be able to break the uh, carbon-oxygen bonds and uh, then you have a byproduct of carbon and the release of oxygen. So it, but that would require lots of energy and, and uh, the ultimate goal is to uh, redu- keep costs low. China and India will help build confidence in the IGCC development. However, the major major of the IGCC projects are in the U.S. Entrepreneur developers are starting to invest in the IGCC and are in better position to take the CO2 policy and sequestration risk. Uh, It was interesting, before Trump came into uh, office, he, and power, he, um, uh, there was a number of movements towards CO2 reduction. In fact, one of the bold movements would was a 50% reduction in CO2 uh, by 
within a decade. And so you could imagine the impact that would have had on technology, um, the cost of hydrocarbon fuels, the cost of electricity, as more vehicles were required to draw energy off the grid to power the electric batteries. Uh, those, those type of abundant commodities then would become more scarce and the price would go up. Um, and so the cost of everything would be inflationary. So the idea of uh, forced CO2 policies was a bad idea and a very expensive proposition. And the infrastructure to move to a hydrogen society uh, still would cost hundreds of billions of dollars uh, to put in the hydrogen refilling stations in adequate numbers to power the fuel cell cars and to provide a abundant or unlimited abundance of electricity on the uh, network. Uh, one of the largest consumers of coal in the world has been China. China imports its uh, coal from largely Australia. Uh, coal and steel are major imports from Australia. China's goal is to grow 10% a year for the rest of the century, doubling every seven years. China's foreign trade grew to $170 billion by 1992. In the first six years of economic reform, China raised half out of poverty. Uh, in 1978, China had approximately 700 products passed through the central planning system. By 1991, the number had dropped to 20. By 1992, the market distributed almost 60% of the coal, 55% of the steel, and 90% of the cement. Uh, that is just a phenomenal achievement by China. Uh, the ability to produce that much of the world's commodities. In 1992, the government approved the establishment of 447,000 new enterprises based on foreign investment uh, of $57.5 billion. A new technology must be capable of generating a profit for adoption. Companies that uh, fear future profits will shy away. The IGCC must be independently capable as an innovation to succeed. Clean coal substitution subsidies have been widely criticized by taxpayer groups as well as Congress-owned uh, watchdogs. The Government Accountability Office as being wasteful and poorly administrated. The environmentalist David Hawking says... We will fight to get these plants built, include calling for more federal assistance, streamlining the <clears throat> permitting process. Extremist. <clears throat> Hawking's real agenda seems to be a shutdown of the coal industry. There's no grand bargain. Um At temperatures and pressures on or near the Earth's surface, some of the hydrocarbons are solid, such as coal. Some are liquid, which is uh, crude oil, and some are vapor state, which is natural gas. And that explains uh, this uh, abiotic oil 
and the idea that in the formation of the earth there's a uh, hydrocarbon layer that provides near unlimited source of oil um, the idea that coal originated from fossil lies plants um, is only true in part the actual abundant source of coal is this um, uh, deeper layer in the earth according to abiotic uh, oil theory now uh, China and India need coal iron ore and grain Short-term periods of weaknesses are great times to initiate and add tech uh, carrier positions into the portfolio. One of the ideas of um, the IGCC, again, is the idea that uh, big coal can uh, continue to dominate um, electric production the igcc plants use heat and pressure to cook uh, the purities in coal and convert it into a synthetic gas the gas is captured and burned in a turbine the igcc are 10 percent more efficient than conventional coal plants assuming 40 percent less water uh, producing half as much ash and solid waste and nearly uh, clean burning as natural gas. In theory, the CO2 that is removed from the coal could be sequestered in underground aquifers or perhaps in, under the sea. And the, most of the CO2 in the, in the earth is recycled by the oceans, so that's not a bad idea. But the combination of the IGCC and the CO2 sequestration at least offers a plausible way to continue using coal without willfully trashing the economy. Big coal will continue to expand. According to the International Energy Agency, the equivalent of 1,400 1,000 megawatt coal-fired plants will be built in the world by 2030. About half of these plants will be in China, 15% in India, and the remaining third in the coal-burning West, including Australia and the United States. The scrubbers on the new coal plants might be better, but new plants will release massive amounts of pollution in the air, requiring prodigious amounts of water for cooling and generating millions of tons of heavy metal or heavy laden coal ash. Most important, this new generation of coal plants is very much like the previous generation in one significant way. They pump perhaps millions of tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. Goodwell is uh, down on the coal to liquid plants. Switzer has Switzer has proposed building a 150,000 barrel of diesel a day plant at the cost of 7.2 billion dollars. Coal to liquid makes only diesel. Gasoline is much more difficult and expensive. Next, America consumes 20 million barrels of oil a day. And uh, this was at the time I wrote this analysis, which uh, would have been in early uh, 20, um, 2010. 
Coal has invested $24 billion in the number of coal to liquid plants to produce synthetic diesel. <clears throat> we still don't see much of the synthetic diesel, or at least if it's uh, being produced, it's being integrated into the existing uh, stock of diesel, uh, but it's not being marketed or sold separately. Electric power plant business, says Michael Skelly, the only question you have to answer now is, can you build something that will generate electricity cheaper than your competitor? And for coal, um, natural gas is not necessarily cheaper than coal. It, I, I would say coal is probably uh, cost, more cost-effective because of its supply and ability to move around. And the final production of electricity by coal uh, has been the preferred choice uh, through the last several decades. Despite the industrial's denials about the reality of climate change, almost everyone acknowledged that in the next decade or so, laws that put a cap on the quota on CO2 emissions will be implemented in America. CO2 emission regulation will be passed onto the consumer. Cheap electricity will be threatened or blue light power with its new unified quantum theory, will start um, black light. Actually, black light power with its new unified quantum theory will start electricity production um, at the megawatt level. But when you think about how many quads, that's quadrillion watts, uh, have to be produced in order to have a replacement, uh, we're talking in excess of probably 96 quadrillion uh, watts of power, even if you're implementing a 1,000 megawatt plants per year, it would still take several decades to reach that uh, quadrillion mark. And so uh, the electricity will have to be produced decentralized, and it will have to be scalable. And uh, so I still think coal is the future. Um, so a power plant, the idea of coal for the future is this, these following arguments. A, a power generator burns about one pound of coal to make one kilowatt hour of electricity. Coke, a byproduct of burnt coal, is composed mostly of hydrogen, nitrogen, sulfur, and oxygen. Coke is used in steel production. In 1918, coal production reached 678 million tons. <clears throat> in 1994, coal production reached 683 million tons and 688 million tons in 47. Railroads switched um, to diesel fuel, reducing their coal consumption to 60 2 million tons in 73. The rise of oil and natural gas also impacted coal usage. So by 1993, coal usage had dropped to 11 million tons. The Yom Kippur War of 1973 caused a retaliation reaction by OPEC, cutting its oil production by 5 million barrels a day and causing oil prices to increase 400% in six months. Just before the 1973-74 oil embargo, the abundancy of cheap oil and growing interest in nuclear power threatened the future of coal. 
the use of coal had declined 18% and oil consumption and natural gas had increased in relative importance. Um, I still think nuclear plays a very important part in American electricity production. Uh, It's a critical component still producing over between 20 or 26 percent of the U.S. electricity uh, and uh, it will continue to be more uh, important strategic partner as electric vehicles will draw more electricity on the grid. The hydro uh, dabs are not capable of scaling up and uh, the nuclear power plants have produced more electricity without having to be redesigned um, and uh, rebuilt, but they're just, the technology is getting better and they're able to produce more. And, but I do think uh, coal will, will still be the dominant king for electricity production. In 1999, the U.S. consumed 1 billion tons of coal and coal consumption is predicted to be 1.3 billion, billion tons by 2020. So the trend is not for less coal, it's actually for more. Coal generates 51% of the U.S. To- US uh, electricity in 1999. Today, uh, which would be 2010 at the time, there were 600 coal-fired plants providing electricity. 1,200 new plants were needed to be built by 2020. That number did not occur uh, due to political pressure that was reducing coal but Trump was able to lift a lot of those regulations and now we're starting to see a return back of, of uh, big coal. And hopefully uh, uh, electricity prices will continue to drop as a result of that and uh, production increase. Natural gas replacement of coal is expected to cause slight drops in coal consumption. It's not going to be a significant disruptor. The main reason would be uh, as long as the political process does not interfere in the market, coal is more movable. It's adjustable to supply and demand uh, more accurately. And so electricity productions can be kept more stable and even. And that stability is a preferred choice between natural gas and coal. Consumption of coal in Canada and Mexico is projected to raise from 77 million tons in 1999 to 93 million tons uh, in 2020. Asia countries used 36% of the world's coal in 1990. China consumes uh, 23% of the coal. U.S. coal technology will be sold to China and India, and they have large coal reserves for electricity generation. Coal consumption in Europe will drop over concern about the environmental impact of coal. Europe will migrate towards alternatives like solar and and nuclear power. And uh, France already is the largest uh, consumer of nuclear power in the Europe. Europe, And solar has been very popular in uh, Germany. But neither of these technologies can compete with uh, nuclear power in terms of raw output. They're just magnitudes more uh, watts produced by nuclear power than solar or um, natural gas. Fly ash to the black soot can be removed by devices called precipitators. Today, 95% of the sulfur oxides can be removed from coal production emissions. 
EPA estimates that sulfur dioxide emissions from electric utilities have gone down 18% since their peak in 1973. And it's just a, a movement towards clean coal technology, uh, the ability to remove pollutants from um, the emissions has made coal, again, a very popular choice for usage for coal ge- electricity generation. The Clean Coal Technology Demonstration Program was established in 1985. CCT primary goal was to bring industry, universities, state and federal agencies together to clean up coal emissions while preserving cheap, clean coal to benefit the economy with affordable energy. Electricity must remain abundant and cheap to allow U.S. companies to produce profitability in a competitive world. If electricity becomes too expensive, companies will move to countries where electricity is cheap and regulation uh, non-existent. CCT um, expects to create $480 billion export market over the next 30 years. So clean coal technology will be critical. And the reason that it states that they will move to countries where electricity is cheap is the unlimited, the bottomless well states that um, the country with the cheapest electricity will have the greatest uh, production because they will be able to have larger profit margins and uh, the profit margins will uh, create innovations. Innovations and products will uh be sold on the market. So uh, we'll see more of a competition for energy production, electricity production as key st- strategies for global growth. Carbon brokering may provide financial incentives to share clean air technology as carbon is threatened, treated as a commodity. The, and that will be one of the hugest markets if that ever becomes um a true commodity where companies will uh, start buying and selling commodity quotas. And if they're seeking to have an increase in carbon that they can produce, they would buy that. And so there would be exchanges where uh, the carbon is treated as a commodity. The CDM, um, which is a clean development mechanism, allows developing countries to get credits for investing in projects in developing countries that offset greenhouse emissions. According to the World Bank, as much as $12.5 billion will be spent on um, clean development mechanism projects in developing countries. In 2005, the first year of carbon trading in European Union, the carbon market grew to $7 billion, and by the time of the Kyoto Protocol, kicked in the market projected to grow to 50 billion uh financial sachs merrill lynch are getting into the game cdm empowers investors to get involved in reducing coal emissions by providing financial incentives greed to drive them towards profits china is a signatory a development uh signaling a development country that could benefit from uh, the clean development mechanism. Investors will arrange American energy companies looking to offset carbon emissions and by a little goodwill with the Chinese um, big coal. China's 
So the Chinese are eager to demonstrate its progressive values and commitment to the environment. That's going to be a huge issue. One uh, technique for removing sulfur from coal is to crush the coal into small chunks and rinse it in water. The coal floats to the surface and the sulfur sinks to the bottom. However, not all sulfur can be removed because it is chemically connected to the coal. Several processes have been tested that mix coal with uh, chemicals with coal that break the sulfur away from the carbon molecules. Most processes and chemicals are extremely expensive. Scrubbers use limestone to remove sulfur emissions. The limestone is crushed into powder. Under the right conditions, the limestone can be made to absorb the sulfur gases like a sponge. The lime is mixed with the water and sprayed onto the coal combustion gases. The limestone captures the sulfur by pulling it out of the gases. The residue is a wet paste. New technology is reducing the cost of scrubbers. Sorbents can cut costs. Sorbents are used to reduce nitrogen oxide and sulfur dioxide emissions near zero by uh, the year 2008. Fluidizing bed coal combustions mix solid coal with gases that produces resulting more efficient chemical reaction and heat transfer. Technology allowed coal burning temperatures to drop to 1400 degrees to uh, uh, from 1700 degree Fahrenheit, eliminating 95% of the pollutants. So that's just fantastic. You know, 95, 5% pollutants, uh, again, then is a sustainable technology. It's not damaging the environment and uh, it can coexist with populations. Polk Power Company, a 250 megawatt plant, has developed a process that turns coal to gas, strips out the toxins. The coal is ground up, mixed with water in a slurry. The plant produces 85% less nitrogen dioxide, 32% less sulfur emissions. Um, it's interesting when you, when you look at... Uh, uh, uranium and uh, it's um, its need for electricity um, I found this article on Mo, Mo, Mo's Moniz he was the man who said that energy will shift within the next 50 years he was afraid that CO2 concentrated in such a degree that he said in time it would be an issue. The issue is changing the oil energy system in the next 10 years. And this is what he wanted to do. Um, so he he wanted to force electricity acceleration. And um, that force then would trade off um, as CO2 emissions. So it, um, they were he would then move towards uh, light water reactors, saying $56 billion worth of light water reactors plus a massive amount of money spent on fuel storage program would be required. So now, how would China reduce CO2 emissions by 50% by the year 2025? Um, it won't. 
it's just impossible. There's no way that uh, that much change could occur that quickly. Um, is China going to uh, use electric cars? We saw Tesla is now in China. He'll be producing electric vehicles. China has already moved towards nuclear power. They're the largest nuclear power generator, um, the most watts in the world. Um, and uh, they have more nuclear power plants, uranium-based, that uh, will be coming online than any other country in the world. Um, Maltz thinks that CO2 in the U.S. will be reduced 17% by 2025. I don't think that's going to happen. Maltz wanted to reduce demand for oil and replace the system with natural gas. It's just not, it, it, there was a large movement towards natural gas replacement of coal-fired plants. Uh, there were several very efficient plants that were shut down, and uh, then electricity prices did increase uh, as they moved to natural gas, and uh, loads were irregular. But uh, I don't think that uh, CO2 was reduced by 17%. I'd have to study the trends on CO2 and uh, maybe there's some data science uh, research that's that sh showing that natural gas is reducing CO2 emissions but I haven't seen them. Dr. Montz said that nuclear energy is the only game in town. Uh, small reactors may be the future but he says the technology will need to be developed and adopted. Yes, small reactors are capable of producing megawatts of power. Uh, they can produce in uh, distributed form and they are scalable so that uh, they could meet the demand of the, the economy. But the biggest problem is there's no distribution channels that are in place. Electricity is a highly regulated, the most regulated industry outside of oil and gas and uh, entry into producing electricity would be very difficult for a small business. Uh, so it becomes uncertain how that, that strategy would even be implemented. But uh, if, if small nuclear distributed systems were to be implemented, they would require uh, lots of deregulation and then there would be concerns over safety and, and so you'd have to show that these smaller nuclear systems that are in the megawatt range um, uh, were self-contained and automated and also monitored uh, remotely and were uh, fairly long-term that they could sustain their energy production with very little maintenance for long periods of time. So that would be the criteria for him to implement his strategy in such a way. Um, I don't see that happening yet. Now, low energy nuclear reactors, since they do not emit a gamma radiation level that's hazardous to the economy uh, or hazardous to the e e e uh, ecosystem, would be more preferred and um, they, there are plants that are now selling, uh, the ECAT is selling the one megawatt plant for $1 million. And uh, definitely if they could uh, put a billion of those plants on planet Earth, uh, the world would be a better place. 
but uh, their production seems to be uh, not at the level um, that it, it would be required to be significantly impacting energy production at this point. So going back to nuclear energy, nuclear energy business costs $36 billion in loan guarantees a year to continue operations. Uh, in other words, nuclear energy ex- costs exceed profits. And that's a big concern. How do you sustain something that costs you more than it uh, can produce? And the answer is, in a free market system, you can't. So it has to be then subsidized by taxpayer dollars. One nuclear plant costs 5 to $6 billion. Nuclear power plants include nuclear waste management and cost. Storage of nuclear waste is expensive. There have been no nuclear plants in America in 30 years. Japan, China, and Korea have more active, have been more active in nuclear reactors. The U.S. nuclear power needs to take leadership as the dominant consumer of energy in the world. Kamzumi says fast uh, reactors will produce energy with high-grade <coughs> fuel and consume uh, spent fuel waste. Kamzumi says faster Reader reactors are not needed, and self-sustaining reactor is not needed. Fast reactor <coughs> recycles spent fuel. What is the transgenic burden of the system? Five years of storage is needed before recycle will be possible. Consumi seems to be supporting the idea of uh, waste fuel storage rather than consumption of spent fuel. Now, um so there there is there is concern about the future of of uh fusion uh one group tried to uh generate fusion by using an inf uh and uh, sorry nif um system it used 96 lasers from the top part of a sphere, the 96 lasers entered laser beam light from the bottom of the sphere. The trick was to arrive at the laser light within six billionths of a second. The laser energy heated the deuterium and tritium pellet to 100 million degrees and 1 billion atmospheres, producing 30 million times the energy than mass. The pellet compressed to the size of a hair in six billionths of a second. The fuel ignites. The lithium-bearing liquid metals or molten salts surround the fuel pellet. The NIF laser operation could produce 1,000 megawatts. The target goal is 1 million (coughs) megawatts, uh, a million megawatts at 25% per target. So, I'm sorry, the target is 1 million targets a day at 25% cents per target. So that what he's talking about, a target there is uh, one of the pellets that can be ignited with the lasers. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some possibility that it could be net positive. But uh, so far... All the fusion, high high energy, high temperature, high pressure fusion uh, reaction propositions have not proven to be net positive. The only systems that are net positive uh, 
that are in the nuclear range would be LENR, low energy nuclear reactors. They are net positive. They put out more electricity than is put in and uh, their cost operation is profitable. So they just have to displace the the more expensive nuclear energy, which is cost has a a cost for operation, not a net profit, and uh, as a result, uh, uh, the world can move to more efficient electricity production. Uh, the oil industry executives are appearing before the Senate, and I think the following contains some information that most of us are not likely to have thought of. I would like to highlight some significant passages. Um, Earlier today, the Senate Judiciary Committee summoned top executives from the petroleum industry for what Chairman Pat Leedy thought would be a politically profitable inquisition. Leedy and his comrades showed up ready to blame the American oil companies for high price of gasoline but the event wasn't as satisfactory as the Democrats had hoped. The industry lined up was formidable. Um, one theme that emerged from the hearing was the surprising small role played by American companies in the global petroleum market. John Lowe pointed out, I cannot emphasize the access issue. Access to resources is severely restricted in the United States and abroad, and the American oil industry must compete with natural oil companies who are often much larger and have supported their governments. We can only compete directly for 7% of the world's available reserves, while about 75% is totally controlled by national oil companies and is not accessible. Stephen Simons amplified, ExxonMobil is the largest U.S. oil and gas company, but we account for only 2% of the global energy production, only 3% of the global oil production, only 5% of the global refining capacity, and only 1% of the global petroleum reserves. With respect to petroleum reserves, we rank 14th. Government-owned national oil companies dominate the spot top spots. That was really interesting to me. I, I didn't realize that uh, that the uh, national enterprises uh, had gained such a strong position over um, oil and, and natural gas and uh, refining of gas. Um, so the American companies are just kind of saying, hey, we don't we just don't have that much uh, pool power. In, in those areas. And so uh, we need to come up with new new forms of energy, um, coal to gas, synthetic gas. Uh, we need to come up with new forms of el- electricity production like LNER over conventional nuclear, uh, TerraWave to, to, to recycle the spent uh, uranium and convert it into electricity, and the production of hydrogen so that we can move into a uh, hydrogen-based society. Uh, ExxonMobil spends nearly $1 billion each day because foreign companies and governments control overwhelming majority of world oil. Most of the price you pay at the pump is cost paid by the American oil companies to acquire crude oil from somewhere else.
And that's also an interesting thing in the energy non-crisis, why we are not just using our own oil to produce our own gas, uh, why we have to acquire oil from uh, national oil companies that are creating a monopoly over the oil in the sense that uh, it is not a competing price to drive down the oil. So U.S. Shell Oil, if it can become a, a bigger player in the national production of oil distribution through the world uh, against these national companies uh, would mean then oil prices would would drop and we could uh, we could then see cheaper oil so yeah the fact that we have to buy this oil on the world commodity we're going to have to pay uh, uh, world commodity prices and so uh, the, this this form of trading will then allow uh, the exchange boards to bet on the futures of the oil prices and cause oil prices to go up. And then we'll be subject to expensive gas prices, even though U.S. Co- companies are extracting uh, millions of barrels of oil out of the ground. It's just going out into this uh, bigger pole a bigger pool of oil, and our prices are going up. On the average, 50% of the cost of gasoline at the pump goes for taxes, while only 4% of the oil companies uh, represent, only 4% represents profits to the oil companies. These figures will repeat several times, but strangely, not a single Democrat senator proposed relieving consumer anxieties about gas prices by reducing taxes. The last thing that was sounded repeatedly was Congress' responsibility for the fact that American companies have access to so little petroleum. Shell's John Hoffermeiser explained eloquently, while all oil (coughs) importing nations buy oil at government prices, some, notably India and China, subsidize the cost of oil products to their nation's consumers feeding the demand for more, more oil despite record prices. They do this to speed economic growth and to ensure competitive advantage relative to other nations. Meanwhile, in the United States, access to our own oil and gas resources has been limited by 30 years prohibiting companies such as Shell from exploring and developing resources for the benefit of the American people. Senator Sessions said, I agree, it's not a free market. According to the Department of Interior, 62% of all onshore federal lands are off-limits to oil and gas development, with restrictions applying to 90% of federal lands. We have an outer continental shelf moratorium on the Atlantic Ocean and the outer continental shelf moratorium on the Pacific Ocean and an outer continental shelf moratorium on the Eastern Gulf of Mexico, congressional bans on onshore oil and gas activities in specific areas of the Rockies and Alaska, and even a congressional ban on doing analysis of resource potential for oil and gas in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Eastern Gulf of Mexico. The Argonian National Laboratory did a report in 2004 that identified 40 specific federal policy areas that halt, limit, delay, and restrict natural gas projects. Um, 
when many of these policies were implemented, oil was selling in single digits, not triple digits as we see now. The cumulative effect of these policies has been discouraging U.S. investment and sending U.S. companies outside the U.S. to produce new products, supplies. As a result, U.S. production has declined so much that nearly 60% of daily consumption comes from foreign sources. The problem of access can be solved in this country by the same government that has prohibited it. Later in the hearing, Senator Orrin Hatch walked Hopenmeiser through the Democrats' latest efforts to block energy independence. Hatch said, I want to get into it. In other words, we're talking about Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. Is it fair to say that they're not considered a considerable part of America's $22 billion of proven reserves? Hoffenmeiser, not at all. Hatch, no, but experts agree that there's between $800 billion to almost 2 trillion barrels of oil that could be recoverable there. Yeah, and that is just huge. I mean, you see a lot of the shell oil re- produced uh, from um, uh, uh, South Dakota, but the Utah has its tar sands, and it could, uh, using a tort re- re- reformer, it could produce millions of barrels of oil. And then you also have uh, Wyoming and Montana, Montana with sweet crude that could be extracted in the millions of barrels.